Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. You know, every house starts the same way. It starts with the foundation. When this house is finished, guests will show up and they will be given a tour of this whole place. And they may compliment the size of a bedroom. They may compliment the granite uh, countertops. They may compliment the floor plan. But one thing they're probably not going to compliment is the foundation. Because quite honestly, foundations just aren't that interesting. In one of Jesus' most critical teachings, he talked about the foundation. He talked about two different men who built their house on different foundations. And the whole point of the story was just how important the foundation is. It's not something that we think an awful lot about when we look at a house until you get ready to build one and you realize just how important it is. Jesus' teaching was the foundation is critical to the success of the house and the foundation is critical to the success of our life. Welcome to our new s- series. Am I on? Yeah. Um, welcome to our new series, Following Jesus. I want to sh- give a shout out to my wife who shot that video on construction dirt, walking backwards in heels. All right? That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <clears throat> She's awesome. Um, I I challenged her, you know, I was walking and she's trying to step backward and keep the frame right and and, uh, bless her heart. I want you to imagine, you've been to a restaurant, you probably have seen this if you've been to a restaurant, um, probably this summer you saw this. Um, It's an image that we've all seen. There's a a gal there and she's the server and she's an expert server. She engages the, the people that come into her uh, service area. She's very competent. She's on her toes. She makes sure that the drinks are topped off and that there's, you know, there's bread and all the things that we've come to expect when we go into restaurants. She's checking in with her guests to make sure that they have everything that they need, you know, napkins and silverware and things like that, straws. <clears throat> and she may be so good that if you go to that restaurant a lot and she's waited on you before, she may know what you like best. She may know your favorite drink or your favorite appetizer and may offer that to you or, or have something even waiting for you. I know some, I've, I've seen that this summer. I walked in with someone. They were so familiar with the person I was with that they, they had the, we were at a Mexican restaurant. They had stuff there waiting on them. I don't know whether they called ahead or what, but I was like, that's impressive. So you may have seen that. And, and then you've probably seen this, five or six steps back, observing very quietly, is not a manager, not an owner, but a trainee, an apprentice. And they're watching this expert server do everything that she does. And they're paying attention to how she engages the the customers and how she serves them and how she makes sure that they have the best possible dining experience they can have. Um, 
And, and, and this trainee will observe and watch, and at some point he will get to try his hand at becoming a server himself. And the goal for that trainee is that he would serve as expertly as the person he watched. The goal is that he would be able to engage customers, that he would be able to have command of the menu, that he would be able to do all of the things that would provide the great dining experience that the person who trained him was able to do. And at that point, uh, they turn him loose to go try to, to serve as well. And you would say that he, his training is complete when he serves like the server he observed. We're talking today about discipleship. Uh, Jesus' popularity is skyrocketing at the point that we intercept him today as he has done some teachings and, and he's, he's starting to make a name for himself. He's done some healings. People have brought their relatives and some of their family in hopes that Jesus would extend a, a hand and, and touch them, maybe heal them. And, and Jesus had been doing a lot of that. So the name of Jesus was, was becoming very well known in that region. And apart from all the people that were seeking healing, there's just this large group of people, this crowd of people who are interested in Jesus. You know, they, they just, they, they want to know more about him. It's not, they, it wasn't like, you know, you can get inundated with the, the slightest bit of trivia because you have access to cable news and internet and your cell phone and all that. But um, it took longer in Jesus' day for, for the word to get out. But People were starting to hear about this guy, and if they had a chance to encounter him or to see him, they were showing up to do that. So you had this larger group of people who were curious about who Jesus was, and then there are his disciples, and not just the 12. Okay, I think we, when we hear disciples, we think just the 12, but the Bible tells us that at one point Jesus sent out 70 disciples in pairs of two, and then there was this ring of followers that we know as the disciples and all these people that would, would have followed Jesus and gathered around any time he spoke. And Jesus addresses all of these people. And he's, he's talking to his disciples too. And he's addressing them as trainees. And, and here is what he said in, in Luke chapter 6, verse 40. He says, the student is not above the teacher, but, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Like the trainee in our opening story, he will be able to serve with the same mastery as the trainer did. That's why Jesus said when the disciple is fully trained, the disciple will be like the teacher. So as we go through this series, there is an image I would like for you to have in your mind, and this is the image I'd like for you to have. I'd like for you to think about as you walk into this room that you're pinning the trainee badge on your lapel and as you walk in, you're saying, I, I'm, I'm going to be a trainee under the trainer of Jesus. I want to be able to serve and be like him. As I follow him, I want to look like him. So um, as you come to Jesus in, in a trainer-trainee relationship, one of the things you have to understand is it's a, it's a special relationship. And, and hopefully, you know, you, you engage this in a, in a new way over the next 10 weeks. It's like being the new guy in the restaurant and watching this skilled, experienced server and we come to watch and we come to listen and we come to take notes with the purpose that we are going to become like the person we are watching. And there's all kinds of situations in the church where this simply does not happen. Um, when people say they're a Christian, uh, you know, you, you hear that a lot. People will identify themselves as a Christian. They could mean all kinds of things by that. They might mean, I used to not go to church, and now I do go to church, so I'm a Christian. 
You, you meet people who think about it like that. They might mean, I went through catechism and confirmation and communion, and so I'm a Christian. You hear people describe themselves that way. They might mean, I got married in a church, so I'm a Christian, right? There are some people that that's what they think. They might mean, I went to camp, or I went to a retreat, and I responded when the, when the, the leader or the speaker or the teacher said certain things, and I responded, so, uh, and I invited Jesus into my heart, so I'm a Christian. That could be what they mean. There are tons of people who identify with Christianity or who call themselves Christians who have zero intent of becoming a disciple, okay? Easy to call yourself a Christian. Calling yourself a disciple is an entirely different thing. It's Christianity without discipleship, and it is lethal, and it is devastating to the church. We talked about this last summer in our summer series called uh, um, Identity Crisis, uh, where I told you that the word Christian is only used three times in the, in the Bible, and as far as we know, Jesus never used the word. The word was not in his vocabulary as far as we know, and it was a word that was invented for the Jesus movement. It did not come from the inside. It wasn't something that the early Christ followers tagged themselves. It's a word that was invented by the outsiders who looked at them and probably in an effort to cast some kind of aspersion on them, uh, used it in a derogatory way and referred to them as Christians. Um, the, the, the Greek kind of gives you the idea of, the, the idea would be little Christs. There go those little Christs. Uh, it wasn't meant in a good way at all. Uh, conversely, the word disciple is used by Jesus over and over and over again. I'm told that the word disciple, I've not counted this myself, but I'm told that it is used 269 times in the Bible. To be a disciple is to be a trainee. In Jesus' mind, it was not a concept that you would identify with him and yet you would not be in training. He did not have that as a category in his mind. He didn't think to himself, yeah, well, these people are going to, you know, they're just going to kind of hang out with me, but they're not going to really try to be like me. He didn't, he didn't think like that. He had every expectation that if you were going to hang out with him and be a, a disciple, that you would have a, 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 be a very intent on, on becoming like Jesus. So the challenge that we face in our culture is that there are masses of people who attach themselves to Jesus with no real interest in entering training to be like Jesus. It is Christianity without discipleship. It is devastating to the church. It can be lethal to a church, and it is not a new problem, okay? It's not something that's just for our century. Jesus had these same issues. In this conversation in Luke chapter 6, Jesus is surrounded by a crowd, and in that crowd are a bunch of his disciples, not just the 12, but rings beyond that of people who had been hanging out with Jesus and trying to you know, get a sense of who he was and what he was like and, and what, they, what he wanted from them. And he looks at them and he tells them, you will know that your training is complete when you have become like me. So over the next 10 weeks, we want to kind of sink our teeth into what does it look like to be a follower of Jesus? What things did he bring up over and over and over again that he would put in my path to say, you know, Brett, you need to pay more attention to this. This is an area in your life where I want you to look more and more like me. So I, as we get started this morning and for this series, I want to issue a couple of challenges to you, okay, as we begin. The first one is this. 
I want to I challenge you to bring a friend with you over the course of the next 10 weeks. I want you to try to find somebody that you can reach out to uh, and, and invite them to church. Now, I've told you this many times. My preacher, as I was growing up, he, used to, he was very fond of saying, they will not come if you do not ask them. That is true. That you know people, you may not know who they are, but you, you know people who want to come to church with you, but nobody's asking them to come to church. And they, they want you to think that they're not even thinking about church, but they are. And sometimes they're just waiting on an invitation from you to say, hey, come, come go to church. I'm going to go to church Sunday. Just come sit with me. I'll sit with you. I'll make sure that nothing weird happens. And you can be assured that at Cross Lane, we partner with you to make sure that we don't want weird things happening on a Sunday morning, okay? I'm not sacrificing a live chicken from the stage on a Sunday morning, okay? So you're safe. You, you, you can do that. It's going to be all right. So invite a friend. Bring a friend with you. Do somebody the favor of introducing them to Jesus. The second thing is this. Bring your best. I want you to bring your best. Come prepared to take notes. Come prepared to leave and to, to think about and ponder the things that we've talked about on Sunday morning, the things that, 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 you know, especially in this series, as Jesus calls you to be a better disciple, come prepared to leave and to have conversations with someone in your small group or someone in your family. Talk about the stuff you agree with, the stuff that you didn't agree with that I said, or, you know, things that maybe that hit you differently or that you've thought of. Um, you know, I'm very well aware that as I speak, sometimes you may completely check out and hear a, a, a sermon that you would preach, because I do that a lot when I listen to sermons. And um, I've talked to other preachers, and I know that happens for them. It probably happens for you. You know, I might say something, and you just kind of go off on your own. Talk about that. Um, one of the things that I want to encourage you to do, we're, we're providing a new thing for you for this series, and, and hopefully beyond that, is something called Beyond the Week, um, Beyond the Weekend. This is, um, we're going to put these as a link when you go to download sermons on the website a place where you can, you can open this link and you can bring up a document like this. We also have some of these today for you at the Welcome Center. And what this is, is this is something that you can, as you maybe, some people I know go home and listen to the sermon again, um, but some of you with your quiet time, the, the, the goal for this is that you would take this with you and during your quiet time or just a few minutes at some point in your day where you stop down and you try to connect back to today and what we've talked about today to encourage you for the day. So we've got one for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and they're all on one, you know, the one packet. And um, like I said, we've got some of these today for you at the Welcome Center. This is something that I would encourage you to take with you. Sit down, take Mondays, and just kind of work through it. And, and let it connect you back to what we talked about in the day. And I'll probably make reference to this again before we're, we're done. So as Jesus stood there and he's looking at the crowd, he knew something was going to happen. He knew that some of his disciples would hear what he taught and they would reorganize their life around the things that Jesus had taught. Other trainees were going to hear what Jesus said and they would listen politely and they would turn on their heels and they would walk away. And they had no more intent of, of putting into practice the things that Jesus had said as the rocks that were there. There was no way they were going to put that stuff into practice. Um, other trainees would hear what Jesus said that, you know, they, they, they just, they didn't have the category in their mind where, hey, I'm going to listen to this guy and I'm going to make this a part of my life and do what he's telling me to do. And Jesus would say, I need to paint you a picture of these two different kinds of people. Um, the two groups that were listening. In our church vernacular, in our modern day 
way of saying things. This is what we would say. Both groups of people that Jesus were talking to were in church, okay? They were both in church. They were both listening to the sermon. One had their heart on remodeling themselves to do the things that Jesus said. The other group had absolutely no intention of doing the things that Jesus was calling them to. Today, I want to center our thoughts around three conversations, the first of which is this, the conversation of the foundation of discipleship. Uh, Let's get, uh, you know, down to what Jesus might have said as he's looking to these crowds. His popularity, again, it's it's skyrocketing. he's, He's really making a name for himself. People want to be around Jesus. They're interested in what he has to say. They want to know what he has to say for their life. And he says, you know, I want to be clear on this. Some of you will hear me and not do anything of what I say. And some of you will hear me, and you're going to walk out, and you're going to immediately do what I say. Jesus is trying to draw a clear distinction between the two. And so he, we start, we pick up with him in Luke chapter 6, verse 47, and he says this. As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. And in other words, for those of you who are going to get serious about following me, I want to show you an image of what it looks like to truly follow me. At which point, you know, if I'd been there, I would have gotten really excited, like, okay, what picture is he about to paint for us? You know, he's about to give us some kind of illustration. He's going to, he's going to give us some kind of word picture to associate this teaching he's going to give us. I wonder what it's going to be. And you might think to yourself, oh, I know what it is. He's going to talk about a tree that produces fruit, which is what we just talked about in the last series where Paul talked about that. There are places where Jesus talked about a tree producing fruit, but that's not what he's going to give us in this particular passage today. You know, elsewhere, he might, he, he might have talked that you, someone would say, oh, I know what he's going to talk about. He's going to talk about a, a massive field that produces this great big harvest, and you have all these crops. Um, he uses that elsewhere, but that's not what he talks about here. The image that Jesus uses here is that of a man or a woman who listens and tries to do what Jesus says, and, and it's the image of a guy who is building a house. Verse 48, they are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. Jesus says, that's you. If you're listening to me, and you're going to leave here, and you're going to try to do the things I'm calling you to do. Jesus says, you're like a guy who builds deep into the soil, down into the bedrock, and he builds his house on a firm foundation, and when the rains come, the house is able to stand against the rains. Now, we have no appreciation for what Jesus is talking about because we live in the 21st century, and when you get ready to build a house, this is what you call in to help you build your house, right? That's a glorious piece of machinery right there because that saves that thing right there has saved a lot of backs and a lot of heartache, right? The backhoe comes in and it starts to dig up the foundation and, and you, you dig these footers and after the footers have been dug by a backhoe, then we call in one of these, right? The glorious cement truck. I still remember the day that they dug the, the footers for this building and I knew that concrete was getting ready to show up. And the day the concrete sh- truck showed up, I was so excited. And they brought in concrete trucks and pumper, you know, concrete pumpers. And this was a massive, you know, footer to pour. And so I, I was so excited after the concrete trucks pulled away. And I, st- I remember standing there looking at the foundation because we'd so anticipated 
this building. So, you know, those are the kind of things that happen when you build your house. You dig the footer, they come pour the concrete, and then they drive away, and you stand there excited about what's about to happen and what you're about to take possession of. In Jesus' world, it was different. This is what they thought about when they saw, when, when Jesus talked about digging a foundation. He's talking about a pickaxe, and I had a young lady walk out after first service and say, I want to call special attention to the fact that the woman is using the pickaxe <laughs> and not the dude. He's, um, he's, I can't decide whether he's in a training role or a trainee role. And for the sake of just getting out of here alive, I'm going to say he's a trainee. Okay? Uh, the woman's got it going on right there. So Jesus was saying the, the guy or the gal who listens to my teaching and tries to put it into practice is the person who takes a pickaxe and starts to pick away at the hard, compacted summer soil that has, that has been baked in the summer sun, and to, to pick away at it, it's like picking away at concrete. It is so hard. It's a lot of work. The earth was so hard, and you were going to have to dig down so deep, which is, you know, it begs an interesting question. How far down do you have to dig to hit bedrock? And the answer to that question is, it all depends. It all depends. If you're on a high ridge or an exposed ridge, it may, just, it may just be a couple of inches, but if you were in a valley, it might take you feet. You may have to dig down several feet, maybe as much as 10 feet to get to the bedrock, something solid upon which you could build your house. This was Jesus' description of the person who is listening to him and is actually trying to become like Jesus. The kind of soil that they have in that part of the country is a it's a hardened clay. It's a type of a hardened clay. And to dig down into it, it's like you're chipping away at concrete. It's, it, it gets really, really hard. So that begs the question, if the ground is so hard, why wouldn't you just build right on top of it? Well, here's the problem with that. Jesus addressed it, verse 49. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And here's the problem with that. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. That ground, that hardened clay that felt like concrete in the summertime when winter came on and brought along with it all of the moisture that comes with winter, it would begin to soften that soil and it would begin to work its way in and eventually the soil would get so soft that in that part of the country, in the wintertime, often it can become the consistency of like a chocolate pudding. Okay, so that's not an ideal substrate to build your house on. And so what happens is you might have built your house and laid your rock foundation on this hardened clay and then the rains come or the moisture comes and it starts to seep into all around your house, all around your foundation. And the next thing you know, the cornerstone has begun to sink. And the next thing you know, the, the wall has begun to sag. And the next thing you know, it's time to get your family out of the house because it is not safe for your kids to be in that house anymore because the whole thing is about to come crashing down. That's what Jesus said. The person who listens and doesn't put it into practice, he says that's going to be what, what your fate is. And Jesus is looking at his trainees and he says, if you're interested in listening and then taking off and not doing what I said, that second house is you. And the results are going to be not just frustrating, the results are going to be catastrophic and the ruin is going to be total. So both groups were listening to Jesus 
in our language, both these groups, the guys and gals that are listening to Jesus, they're both in church and they both heard. The question is, are we in training to simply hear what Jesus said or is the intended result to truly, truly become like Jesus? Jesus gives us this vivid imagery of these two groups who are listening and he wouldn't have used this language that, that I'm about to use, but what Jesus is describing here is Christianity without, without discipleship. That's really what Jesus is, is describing. Which would lead me to ask you this question. That isn't you, is it? Attached to Jesus? Call yourself a Jesus follower, call yourself a Christian, but you don't have any real intent of having your life be modeled and fashioned after the Christ? That isn't you, is it? I hope over the next several weeks that this series will help us to recognize those areas in our life that are, that are in total misalignment with God. And here's what I know about us. Here's what I know about me. It's, I don't have to look very far to find, come across an area in my life where I, I could say, you know what, that needs to be better lined up with Jesus. That's an area of my life that I could better line that up with Jesus. I need to give that some attention. I need to pay attention to that because that's out of whack. I think that's true of all of us. And I'm hoping that over the next several weeks as we work through this material, that that you leave here asking God, God, what do you want to change in me? I, I hope you'll come prepared to listen and to implement what Jesus says. But here, let me say this. Do not think that this is going to be easy. This is not going to be easy. One of my favorite expressions is it's like trying to push a string uphill, right? Think about that. You can't push a string. It's impossible. That's what it feels like sometimes to be a a, a Jesus follower, to try to model my life after him. He was perfect. Never made a mistake. Never sinned. Boy, that's not my life. Um, You know, it's going to be hard. I've made the comment many times that trying to be a Christian is the hardest thing I've ever tried to do because I'm expected, you're expected, to empty yourself of you and to take up the cross of Christ and to follow him. Think about what that entails. Um, we're pretty selfish. We wake up in the morning and our thoughts are pretty much for us, right? We wake up and does my tummy hurt? Is my, is my head okay? You know, and pretty much what we're trying to do is figure out if there's any excuse, any reason whatsoever that we might be able to stay home from work that day, right? I mean, that's really, that's really, am I okay? I mean, I, I might, do I have a fever? I might be sick. I might have to stay home today. Um, now, moms, I think, get past that a little quicker than the guys do, right? I, I, think, I think moms, they're, they move to their kids, and they start thinking about their kids. But for, for the dudes, it's like, okay, uh, how do I feel? Uh, how am I? So... That brings me to challenge number two, and that is the challenge of discipleship. This is not going to be easy. Right before Jesus talked about the two guys building houses on different landscapes, Jesus asked a question. It is one of the most challenging questions that we find in the entire Bible. Here it is. It's in Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Listen to this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Wow. Now, Lord, in this case, means boss. It means master. He's looking at his disciples, his trainees, and he says, before you move on in this conversation, can I just ask you, why do you call me master and Lord and don't do what I tell you to do? You see, this isn't just a challenge for modern-day followers of Jesus. 
This was a challenge for the followers of Jesus in Jesus' day. You know, we get frustrated when people don't try hard to follow Jesus. Jesus got frustrated. You know, why, why do you not do what I tell you to do? Now, there might be a bunch of answers to that question. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you to do? You know, somebody might say, well, for starters, Jesus, I just don't like anybody telling me what to do. You know, I'm, or you might say, because, I, you know, I don't, I call you Lord, Lord, but I don't do what you tell me to do because nobody tells me what to do. You know, I'm in the habit of deciding what I want to happen in my life. And Jesus, if we can be completely honest, my life will be a lot better when you'll start doing the things that I want you to do, not when I start doing the things you want me to do. Some people, that's their approach to Jesus. Another answer to the question, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say, might be because I don't trust you. I, I just don't trust your way, Jesus. So let's get this straight and let's understand something. To truly enter into a trainer-trainee relationship is to enter into a relationship of trust. And I think over the course of the next 10 weeks, you are going to hear Jesus whisper in your ear more than once. You're going to hear him whisper, I need you to trust me. I need you to trust me. Brett, you, you've got to trust me. And hopefully we will emerge from this saying, God, I, I trust you, but I, I want to trust you more. I want to find new ways to trust you. A lot of teachings, uh, the teachings of Jesus are not easy. Um, for instance, love your enemies. There's one. That's not easy. Try that on. Find new and creative ways to be kind to mean people, and not just mean people. It's harder than that. Not just mean people, but people who are mean to you. People who have lied about you. People who have, who have taken shots at you. People who've been critical. People who... Um, maybe of question motives or whatever. You know, we hear that and we think, no, Jesus, that's a bad idea. I don't want any part of that. And Jesus whispers to us, trust me. Trust me. This, this is the best way for you. This is going to be the way going forward for you. Some of us in here, we don't trust anybody. We got hurt. We got betrayed. We got abandoned. We got deserted. And, and we learned from a very early age, you just don't trust people. This is not going to come easy. That's why we call this the challenge of discipleship. It is a subjugation of the will. It is saying, I will submit my will to your will, Jesus. It's looking at Jesus and saying, Lord, here is my life, all of it, and I give it to you. That is the challenge of discipleship. Some of us have prayed the Lord's Prayer. Some of us have prayed that a hundred times. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, what's the next line? Thy will be done. Yeah, chew on that for a minute. Thy will be done. I yield my will to yours. I yield my plans to your plans. And I yield my responses to yours. Father, my, thy will be done here on earth, beginning with me, thy will be done. Now, one of the things that Jesus brings up in our relationship with him is our stuff. I, I, we looked a little bit at this last week. Jesus said, look, either God is going to be God or stuff is going to be God. But here's, Jesus was very clear. Both of those things are not going to be Lord in your life. One or the other, not both. He says one of, one of them is, they're both jockeying for position. The Lord is jockeying and, and your stuff, your, you know, all the things that we work for, that is jockeying for position number one in our life. 
but both of them cannot be number one. One of them is going to win out. And you start thinking about that, and you ask, could that affect the stuff that I buy? Could that affect the stuff that I give away? Could that affect my attitude toward the things that I loan? Are you like the guy that when, you know, if your neighbor asks to borrow your rake, you extend the rake, but you kind of hang on to it, and they kind of have to <laughs> pull it out of your hands, Right? Like, well, that's my rake. Yeah, I, I asked if I could borrow it, and you said I could. Can I please have the rake? You know, and we're just clinging to it, you know, because it's the only rake we've got. Is that your attitude toward your stuff? Do you cling to your stuff? Is, is it, you know, are you protective of it? And Jesus comes along, and, and he says, hey, when you, with your stuff, I need you to kind of be hands off. And, and, and you go, really, Jesus? And he says, yep. And you say, Jesus, I, I think that's a really bad idea. Jesus would say, you need to trust me. Well, I don't think so, Jesus. Yeah, well, good luck with that foundation because you've, you've built your house on chocolate pudding foundation and it's about to crumble and it's not going to go good. I'm telling you, you need to trust me. See, trusting God with our money, that's big. That, that's huge. Here's the question I would ask you. Are you here, and I don't mean here at church, I just mean in life. Are you here to be served or are you here to serve? That's a question that you've got to wrestle to the ground. Am I here to serve or am I here to be served? One of the beautiful things about money is that increased money allows us an upgraded service experience, right? Um, a lot of you in the room are making more money than you've ever made in your life. But there's a point, those of you who are, you would say, yes, Brett, I'm making more money now than I've ever made. But there was a time that I didn't make as much money. So I want you to think back to that time, and I want you to think back to what you could afford. And maybe the hotels that you went to weren't as nice, the cars that you drove weren't as nice, you know, the restaurants you went to weren't as nice, because you couldn't afford that kind of thing. And you got a two-star experience. But then as you got a little more money, you were able to afford the three-star and the four-star and maybe the five-star experience. I thought it was awesome when I went on a cruise and I would come back to my cabin and they had fashioned my towels into little animals. I thought that was awesome. And when I came home, nobody did that for me. And I became accustomed to the five-star service experience, right? It's the same thing I when I go to Reds games. I'm a Reds fan, and so... I, I don't go to a lot of Reds games because why would you right now? But, but I'm sorry. I'm a Reds fan, but w we stink right now. Um, but I go about once a year. When I was younger and I would buy tickets to the Reds game, the tickets I bought weren't as nice as the tickets I buy now, right? Like I used to... I used to go sit in the all-you-can-eat section. Yeah, that's not good. Don't do that. So now I only get to go maybe once a year, but when I go, I buy really good seats. In fact, my gallbladder thing happened at the time when I had seats to the Reds game, and I had these really cool seats, and I couldn't go. So I gave them to a friend of mine, and he came back, and he's like, man, I've never sat in seats like that. I'm like, yeah, because I want the five-star experience when I go to the Reds game. That's how we get oriented, right? We... We like being served. We like the five-star experience. When we go somewhere and we've paid a lot of money for something, 
We expect it to be a certain way. And it becomes about the way we are served, and we all love great service, don't we? And Jesus will whisper into our ear again and again and again that the way he measures greatness and the way he wants us to measure greatness is not by the number of people who are serving us, but by the number of people we are serving and the manner in which we are serving them. It was Jesus who said in Mark 10, 45, the Son of Man came not to be served, he came to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus didn't show up for everybody to serve him. He came to serve, and he says, if you want to be like me, you should be a servant. Here's what I would say to anybody that that thinks that prosperity gospel is the way to go. You know, you watch these guys and they're like, you know, I follow the king and I'm a child of the king. And, and, uh, you know, when you're a child of the king, you get kingly things. I heard Tony Campolo say this one time and it was awesome. He said, all I know is that my king ended up on a cross. He served. He girded himself about with a towel and he washed dirty, stinking, smelly feet. You want to call yourself a Christ follower? That's what he's calling you to. He will call his trainees to live in humble servanthood over and over and over again. And his journey on earth ends with him giving himself up for us. Philippians said he humbled himself. He became the humble servant who washed feet. And Jesus says, if the goal of the trainee is to copy the trainer, this is not going to involve my money it's it's or it is going to involve my money it's going to involve my time and if you come to realize there's a point where you come to realize that your stance in this whole thing is is you know if you would say i've given everything to jesus except my time and my money then let's be honest you really have not given your life to jesus if you would say you know god pretty much owns me just i don't give him a lot of my time and i don't give him very much of my money then let's just be honest you're 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 a christian but you're not a disciple you're you're coming to church and you're hearing the message but you're really not leaving going okay what does it look like for my life to be completely called to him what does that look like so there's the foundation of discipleship where jesus paints a picture of those two houses one person listens intently and, and goes out and tries to do what, what God calls them to, and one person listens and turns on their heels, and they go out and they don't try to do that. And Jesus talks about the challenge of discipleship. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? And Jesus whispers to us. It, our answer to that is, because I don't trust you. Jesus, I, I, don't, I call you Lord and don't do what you say because I really don't trust you. And Jesus whispers every week, you gotta trust me. You gotta trust me. And you must understand that if you embrace this, it could be a game changer for you. This will not only change the way you see people and the way you relate to people, this will change the way you coach others to build their foundation. See, as we get into this, this isn't simply about your personal growth track. It's about more than that. This isn't just about your response to Jesus. This has to do with having brand new radar and seeing people in a brand new light. It's about seeing people um, in a different way. And this brings us to conversation number three, and it has to do with the disciple maker. The disciple maker. See, Jesus hung out with the 12. He hung out with them for three years. And at the end of his time with them, 
He gives them this commission where he takes this responsibility and he places this massive responsibility on the shoulder of the disciples. It's a verse that we have come to know in the Bible as the Great Commission. You find it in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. It starts off by, like, by you start off by hearing this. Therefore, go and make disciples. Now, I've heard this preached on lots of times, and I've heard people settle in on go, as if that was the imperative. But if you look at this in Greek, the imperative is the phrase, make disciples. That's really what Jesus is after. You got to make disciples. Make other trainees. The trainee has now become the trainer. Those who have hung out with Jesus for three years are now reproducing Jesus in other followers who are yet to come. Verse 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then comes the tricky part, teaching them to obey, not just to know, not just to memorize, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Now let's talk just just for a second about disciple maker. Those of you who will find yourself in a position to spiritually coach someone else, you're going to be able to give spiritual guidance. You're going to be the one who gives spiritual encouragement. What Jesus says about being kind to mean people and healing fractured relationships and what Jesus says about the way we view our stuff Those attitudes and behaviors are the things that we are trying to reproduce in other people. Those are the things that we're trying, when we try to teach people about Jesus, we're trying to get them to see Jesus in that kind of light. In this series, we're not only talking about discipleship as in what you become, we're talking about discipleship in in terms of what you coach in someone else. Opportunities that you will have, maybe in small group, maybe with your kids, maybe with your grandkids, where you're able to come alongside them and say, listen, I watched how you handled that, and and if you really want to be a follower of Jesus, the way Jesus would have handled that or the way Jesus teaches us to handle that is like this. And it's, it's about trying to coach somebody else. It's about trying to help somebody else understand the way Jesus can change a life. So I want to ask you again, I want to ask you for a couple of commitments in the next several months, okay? The first one is this. I want to, I want to ask you to commit to being here every week. I want to ask you to put on the trainee badge. I want you to just imagine yourself as you walk through these doors. I'm putting on my trainee badge. I've come to see how did Jesus treat people? How did he love people? How did he serve? How did he talk about grace and truth? And how can I become more like him? Because that really is the point, isn't it? The student becomes like the master. What he teaches, we teach. What he does, we do. See, the point is to become like Jesus, and in becoming like him, we begin to live out the lives that we were created to live, and we become the people that God created us to become. Second thing I'd like you to do, I'd like you to commit to to doing this beyond the weekend thing. Uh, Go to the Welcome Center and get one. When we post the sermon, there'll be a link on the website for that, but I want to strongly encourage you to try to connect back each week to, to the sermon and there's, like I said, there's a little capsule for each day of the week. You can do that with your quiet time, and I think that that will make a difference for you. The third commitment I want you to make is bring somebody with you. Bring somebody with you, okay? Um, you know, around here, there are three different environments that you can engage Christ in around here. There's the row, which is your, you're in the row right now. You've come in, we seat you in rows, and someone preaches to you. Um, there's also the circle. Uh, small group environments. Some of you are in small groups where you circle up 
and it's a little bit more intimate, and, and you kind of learn from each other. And then there's the chair. And the chair is what I hope all of you are engaged in at some point in your day where you stop down, you have your Bible, and you, you pray a little bit. This, this um, Beyond the Weekend page would be great in that particular format for you. And I think that if you would do that, it'd make a big difference. So the, the, I want to talk to two groups of people as we close. They are the person who calls themselves a Christian but has never seriously engaged Jesus to call themselves a disciple. I, I want to challenge you that over the next 10 weeks that you would seriously consider changing that in your life. That you would come and not just listen and walk out politely and not think any more about it, but that you would come and you would say, I, I genuinely want to be trained and taught by the Master, and I want my life to be transformed by this man, Jesus. So, so I hope that, that you will do that. And then the second group I'm talking to right now is the person that maybe you've been coming to church for a long time. You've just never given your life to Christ. And, and if I were to ask you, you know, why haven't you given your life to Christ? You would say, you know, I, I don't really know. Maybe it's, maybe it's you don't know how. Maybe you feel like you, you, you just don't have enough information. Maybe no one has ever pressed you. Well, I'm pressing you right now. Strongly, seriously consider giving your life to Christ. You need Jesus. You need to be forgiven. And your eternal security hangs in the balance of that. And I'm not going to get dramatic, but, but it's, a, it's an important decision. And it's one that you should not postpone. And I would love to talk with you about it, okay? We can sit down, have a very non-threatening conversation. I will not press you, okay? But I will try to my best to answer questions and help you come to a place where you become a disciple of Christ. Let's pray for you. The band's going to come out and, and play us out. Father, we love you. We, we begin praying by just simply telling you that we love you. And, and we, we so desperately want to be like you. And Father, the truth of the matter is that there's so many days that we look nothing like you. We let you down. Uh, Father, we, we, we want to change that. We need your help to do it. So Lord, over the next 10 weeks, would you, would you just come alongside us? Would you gently point out to us those areas where we, we look nothing like the Christ and help us to, to be better? Help us to be the kind of person who forgives. Help us to be the kind of person who, who helps. Help us be the kind of person who encourages. Father, we don't want to be critical. We don't, we don't want to be angry. We don't want to walk around with a scowl on our face. That's not who we want to be. We want to honor you. We want to live a life that reflects your life. We want to be disciples. Father, I pray for the person in the room who's never made that decision. That maybe today is the day that, that something clicks for them and they say, you know what, I need to do that. Father, we love you. We worship you. It's in the precious name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.